Welcome to the Instrumentals of Rock podcast. I'm Mitch, and this episode is part of the throwback series where I bring back interviews from the syndicated radio show I did in the mid-90s called The Instrumentals of Rock, where the music speaks for itself. This episode was recorded in 1996 with guitarist Neil Zaza. Back then, I would scour the guitar magazines for articles about guitar players who released instrumental records and also for ads of new releases. Of course, I was interested in all the big-name guys like Satriani, Vi, Eric Johnson, but I was also on the lookout for up-and-coming players, too. I remember seeing ads for Neil's first two instrumental records, Two Hands, One Heart in 92, and Thrills and Chills in 93. Then in 1996, Neil released his album titled Sing, and I interviewed him at the 1996 NAMM show while he was promoting the record. Now, for those of you who don't know about NAM, it's the National Association of Music Merchandisers Trade Show. There, you'll find all the latest and everything for sale in the music retail world. Just about any musical instrument or accessory you can think of will be there. It's also an exciting place to be with musicians playing live all throughout the convention center and in the clubs at night. I usually did my interviews over the phone, so this was uh, one of the rare ones I did in person. You can tell I've got Neil mic'd up, but not me, so my voice doesn't come through as well as Neil's, but I think it's good enough to hear my questions. I do remember that Neil was fighting through a bit of a cold at the time, but he got through it fine. For those of you who have followed Neil over the years, I think you'll find this an interesting snapshot of where his career was at the time. It had been three years since his last release, and with Sing, the songs were not just about showing off his guitar playing skills, but more about highlighting his maturity as a songwriter. Still plenty of insane guitar playing on it, something that would continue throughout the years with over nine solo instrumental records, his latest being Vermeer in 2022. So let's get back to my interview with Neil Zaza during the NAM show at the Anaheim Convention Center, January 1996. And what was it that made you pick it up in the first place? I played guitar, you know, I uh, played, you know, out of Mel Bay Book One, you know, took some lessons at the YMCA, and I enjoyed playing music. I love music, and, and I knew it's, I knew that's something I had a great interest in, but after hearing Van Halen play, I, I really, it kind of opened up the whole picture because I wasn't exposed to like Hendrix or anything like that. So that's, that's when I said, yep, this is what I'm going to do. Huh. Yeah. So did you start taking lessons right away? I took lessons, uh, I, I was taking lessons at the Y and learning, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb and all that. <laughs> and um, then I just started playing by ear and took some lessons with some guys that showed me how to play, uh, you know, songs like Boston tunes or Cars tunes or right. whatever. And uh, so I, I played uh, in bands for a few years and, and did a few different things, took lessons like that. Then uh, I said, well, if I'm going to get serious about it, I should probably learn some actual music things. And so I went to college for three years for classical guitar uh, at the University of Akron. And I learned all my scales and modes and theory and stuff. And I couldn't play a, maybe a classical riff to uh, lick to save my life, but it, it really helped my education process. So 
Now, before then, were, were you kind of going through the standard rock band kind of thing, or was it not that road? Yeah, I, I, I played in a lot of cover bands, and, and uh, I grew up in the era of, like, you know, like a, when Van Halen had David Lee Roth and Foreigner and, and uh, Journey and all that stuff. So that's really the stuff I grew up on. So I played a lot of, um, a lot of Journey tunes, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that. I guess that was top 40 in those days. So to this day, I think that's why, like, Neil Sean is an inspiration or, you know, inspires me and because that's the stuff I really grew up listening to, you know. Mm -hmm. So when this whole neoclassical thing came out, everyone wanted to be influenced by, you know, Bach and Paganini and that. But I have to admit, my influences, you know, uh, in that time period when I was playing in those bands were like Neil Sean and stuff like that. And once you got out of college, how did your career in the rock guitar industry get started um i was just in as i said in a lot of different cover bands and this and that and in uh 88 there was a contest in cleveland hottest guitar player in cleveland and i i say that with kind of irony in my voice because you know how you can't judge hottest of anything there's no one great player so i entered the contest and i won and there was a lot of notoriety about about that and a lot of publicity and i got to open for like Ted Nugent and a few other people, which were, was neat. So that started the whole guitar players, guitar player thing going. I mean, I really, I didn't set out to pursue that, you know, I want to be, you know, a guitar player's guitar player. And I, I don't even think I am now. That kind of pushed me in that direction. So what happened then is I was in a band called Zaza. We did a vocal original material. And that was three or four years, did some traveling with that. And I just didn't have any connection to the music anymore, and I said, I, here's what I want to do, and, and that's what I'm doing now, which is playing a lot of instrumental stuff, or all instrumental stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what really gave me pleasure, just playing my guitar. So You've done a lot of uh, in instructional videos, or done some instructional some, videos, yeah, yeah. and the clinics, and things like that. How did you get hooked into to doing that, and is, is that something that you kind of pursued, or did it just happen? It kind of felt, I, I guess I've really been lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Um, I was playing a NAMM show. Are you familiar with Hot Guitars Video Magazine? Right. Uh, they have some videos out. They saw me playing and uh, struck up a friendship, and I did. I was featured in two of those tapes. So they said, well, why don't we do uh, an instructional thing, and why don't we just tape you live and, and uh, sell some of that to your fans? So that's where the video stuff happened with that, is it just kind of you know perpetuated one thing after the other. So once again, I didn't pursue it, uh, but I did really want to do it. Um, I don't, I don't really perceive myself as a great teacher or a great, uh, um, you know, educator. I think because I do a lot of clinics, people think I'm this educator or something. I'm just a player that, you know, if someone has a question about what I do, hopefully I know enough of what I do, I can explain it. But, uh, the video thing I fell into for yeah. sure. I mean, do you, do you enjoy doing the clinics? I mean, is it oh, an yeah. interesting thing to do? I love doing the clinics. Uh, I love, A, I love traveling. I love playing guitar. And it's always great because I get go out and get to uh, play uh, my music in front of guitar players, which is that's who really buys my music. And it's a real appreciative audience. A lot of times you play in a, a crowd that they don't know what you do. They don't really understand it. But this puts me in front of the guys that understand the kind of music I play. So I love doing it. I, I love clinics and all that stuff. You've recently um, been on the Internet. You've got your own uh, web page, website yeah. on the Internet. Uh, I have... Uh, page on the internet and i find that's a real uh, good way to keep in touch with a lot of my fans i have a, a mailing an email mailing list that uh, uh i send out you know uh, email 
uh, updates on what I'm doing and stuff. Right. I, I'm a real technology freak. I, you know, I like email. I love computers, Macintoshes, and uh, I love all that. So uh, I'm into hard disk recording. So anything that has to do with technology like that, I'm really into. Mm-hmm. So now you've got this is your third record, right? Uh, what kind of direction is this record going in compared to the others? I think my last projects, my last records were about. Uh, obviously my first record, I think anyone's first instrumental guitar record, it's about showing, hey, I can, I can play, my fingers move. Right. And that's cool, but I think a lot of times the, uh, the songs are left to the wayside. And that, I, I could say that kind of happened on the first record. Second was a little more focused, that was Thrills and Chills. And I said, you know, I enjoy this whole whittly diddly thing of playing fast, but we gotta play some songs and we gotta play some melody because that's really what I grew up listening to and was into. So Thrills was the next step in the progression. And then Sing Now, uh, you know, everyone feels their, their latest album is, is their best album. But this, I feel, is a culmination of everything now in, in one package. Um, the songs were gone over with fine-tooth comb. Um, the, I didn't write anything um, for the guitar. Um, I, would, I would hum things. That's why actually one of the reasons we call it Sing is because um, most of the parts on the record were hummed or sing, you know, da, 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 and, and I would just duplicate that on guitar. So I really tried to take the guitar out of the picture and make melody the forefront. And there is some willy dilly things on there that, you know, I kind of went nuts on, but it, it, I think this album sing is more about songwriting and, and playing what fits the song rather than, Hey, look at me, check out my playing, you know, it's check out, check the whole package out. Right. Well, I think the whole uh, instrumental rock, guitar, um, sound and feel and all the guys that are doing that now, I think, you know, are all kind of getting past that, too, you know, because there's a lot of guys that can play and everybody knows throwing the notes out is one thing. But, you know, getting a good song, that's that's the bottom line. Yeah, I have to say that I really don't listen to any instrumental music per se. There's a lot of different guys I listen to a tune or two, but when it. It has to be about music, about songs. And that's why I like a lot of what Satriani does. I like a lot of what uh, uh, Eric Johnson, he's just, what a great guitar player. And he, he's just fantastic. That's why I like Neil Sean, because you could hum every one of his solos. Mm-hmm. Whether you like the band or not, or like him or not, you can't deny that, you know, you could probably pull an average person off the street and say, hey, you know, this is, uh, you know, you can hum the tune or whatever. Right. So, yeah, you got you to gotta change direction and, and you got to be true to what, what you love. And, you know, everyone grew up listening to normal stuff, you know. Right. And, the, you know, the record still slams, too. You know? Oh, thank you. That, that, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, that's what, actually the producer, uh, Eric Fritch, was like, hey, man, pl- do those arpeggio things. I'm like, man, I did those on my last two records. I, I got to do something different. It's go, go, go ahead. So really all the stuff that's fast in the record is because he just, he goes, do it. Just come on. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I would do stuff. And they and the whole you know the engineer and him would start going yeah and then he got me going so they knew how to wind it out of me you know they had to yank it out of me a little bit but you know so, yeah. were the songs on uh, sing ones that had kind of been around for a while or did you just kind of write them just before um, you went in we wrote, I had a bunch of tunes that I had written for the record uh, the band which was Eric Mike Paptonis and I and Eric played bass and keys and guitar on the record and produced it. Uh, we went to Missouri is where we started out to do the record and we sat in a, a room for a week and we went through tunes and we threw some songs out. We threw a lot of tunes out because it, it didn't, they didn't work in a band context and we wrote a lot of tunes. So the tunes were very 
immediate on sync. So they were written and recorded real fast, and, and which was good because it's really kind of a snapshot of what happened at that time. Not tunes I had from you know five years ago or something like that. Are you the kind of um, musician or songwriter that is um, uh, always writing, or do you kind of need the project to give you that? You know, man, that's hey, a good. Go. That's a great question. Um, I I come up with little riffs and this and that, but I forget them a lot. You know, hey, that's pretty cool. I remember it, and you know, I forget it two minutes later. I really write for the project. Kind of what happens is I, I know I feel I kind of give everything I have to the record, and then I don't have anything more to say. And then I go out and play it on tour and play it in clinics and stuff. And then some time has passed, and and then I feel like I've grown as a musician. Uh, and then it's time to make another statement. So I'm not constantly writing. I kind of dump out all I have inside, and then I need a refreshing time to go out and play and, and live life and experiment and learn. And then then I have another statement to make. So a lot of guys write 20 tunes in a week, and I write 10 tunes every year. But I I think it. If I just wrote a bunch of tunes uh, all the time, they would just be the same tunes, just rewritten in different ways. Well, you know, I think, you know, I mean, some guys are always writing, always doing stuff. And I think, you know, with as an artist, I think you need to just find out what you're comfortable with doing. Right. You know, whether right. it's this way or right. whether it's writing every day you know, right. or whatever. Right. Um, that works for me. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the, the, uh, the, the album is all instrumental. Um, when it comes to song titles, is it kind of uh, a necessary evil for the uh, <laughs> for the for the CD jacket, or is it a, an important aspect of, of the song itself? Um, I think it's an important part of the song. I mean, I th- more or less a, a, a private joke with me. Some of the song titles, like like Halen, for instance, is uh, a, a tip of the hat to Eddie Van Halen because. Uh, copped in the middle of the tune a bunch of bunch of riffs of his, you know, like as a tribute, you know. Right. Um, I'm all right on the album was the first tune I wrote for the album so that was kind of a, a justification that uh, hey I'm okay I'm gonna get I'm gonna do another project and I have some stuff to say so I'm all right hence um, so it's usually you know private jokes or you know so but yeah it, it is kind of important that there's a few titles on the record that say actually something you know well not having it right in front of me but like journey to Texas I mean that's a, a... um Journey to Texas, we, uh, I had the riff and we were playing it. It reminded me of a, of a journey tune because there's a, a little change in there that sounded like something maybe Neil Sean would have played, you know, hopefully. And, uh, it reminded me of when I was doing my last record in San Antonio, Texas. So journey to Texas, everything I should have said off the record, uh, right where we were, uh, rehearsing and writing. And I had one more song to do for the record. We needed that, that 10th song or 11th song or whatever it was. And I was banging my head for two days and, me and the drummer went for a walk in a, a graveyard and we were looking at all the he- tombstones and, you know, we're just thinking, you know, these people uh, died and they didn't tell the, their wife that they loved them before they left for work that day or they didn't, you know, hug their kid or something before because, you know, they woke up, they thought they were going to be alive another three years, 18 years, you know. So, uh, you know, it was everything they should have said to the people that they never did, you know. So that's where that title came from. So that's some of that. In uh, your... Um newsletter kind of starts out when you're talking about the new record is you know i'm I'm in love with the guitar again and you kind of talk about how maybe there's a little of a burnout period there for a while what happened there yeah um when i get off the road playing a lot and stuff i'm just i'm really fried and i'm not fried of traveling or anything i'm just fried of hearing myself play and i'm not fried of guitar in general i'm fried of me playing guitar i'm sick of hearing my hands on those strings every night so a lot of times uh 
I'll go home and I'll just put the guitar down for a few weeks or, you know, whatever. And uh, it really charged me up again to play the songs on the record because they were very melodic. It's things that I, I really got into music-wise. And I, I really wasn't, this project really charged me up about the guitar and I'm excited to play because I'm saying something different than I was last time out. Mm-hmm. So I think if I had to redo the same record or, you know, redo the same riffs every record, I would I would quit. But I, I, it has charged me up a lot yeah. for it. Well, you know, I'll be honest with with doing this show, which now I'm in my like second year, and well, all I had heard was two hands, one heart, right? You know, which was from an era. That know? was that '80s era. <laughs> you know? And uh, and so, hey, it's Neil Zaza. I got a new album. I'm going. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I was really, I was when I heard it, man. It was just, it was really, it was great to hear. And uh, and it, it's it's good that I think any good musician, you know, always has to yeah. keep on trying to change. Keep on trying to do, you know, something different. Well, thanks. I, I, I listened to this record now, and I said, "Boy, it's really great. It could be better. It could be there. Could be more hooks, more more melody to it, you know." And it's funny. I haven't listened to the record and said, "Man, I I could whittle my fingers a little faster on the next one." I haven't said that. It's <laughs> it's been, yeah, we got to write another a prettier song than that, or something more moving than that. So I I play guitar, but I I don't really think guitar now. I really just kind of think of songs now and stuff like that hopefully you know maybe that's my progression some of the um products that you endorse maybe you could talk a little bit about them i mean rocktron is is one what is it that um for a non-guitar player what does rocktron do rocktron makes the best processors and preamps for guitar they're the companies uh run by guitar players they make exactly what a guitar player needs um no matter what setup i'm using on stage you know i change gear a lot uh, I always have a Rocktron piece, and I always have really had Rocktron gear before I really got hooked up with them. So I was endorsing them way before they said, "Yeah, Neil, it's okay. You could play our gear, and we'll say, you know, uh, they make great stuff." I endorse Hamer guitars; they're great, they're fantastic. Um, a bunch of other companies, some uh, string company, uh, Labella Strings, great strings, uh, Visual Sound pedals. I, I've been using a, a great. Uh, uh, volume pedal that has LEDs on it's real nice. Mm-hmm. Do some stuff with Morley pedals, uh, which are real nice pedals too. I'm getting real selective as I, as to who I uh, endorse or whatever because I mean I really have to like the gear. I mean, or I won't do it. So I've been approached by a few different companies, and yeah, you know, yeah, free gear is cool, but it has to be the right free gear to be really cool. You know, I just um, hooked up with Fostex, which is great. I did. Uh, most of my album on a D80, a hard disk recorder. And that, that helped my creative process a great deal. Um, they're a great company. They treated me great. And, uh, I guess I'm just being into being in the team of, of good companies and, and yeah. things like that. Well, the hard disk recorder, what is, how does that make things easier for you? Um, hard disk recording is different than analog recording in that you can go instantly to uh, a section of your music. So if you want to go right to the solo, you can go right to the solo. It saves time in that sense. But then again, you could, um, just as if you would word process, you can cut and paste the solo here and there. Right. It, uh, it's a lot more creative because a lot of times you do a solo, you go, man, I wish I could have the end of that solo on this solo. And well, now you can. Or if I want to actually, uh, for instance, we edited down three songs on my computer at home. Everything I should have said, uh, Jenny's song and uh, Song for Home. And we did these long ride fade outs. And we said, man, that's a little bit too long. Eight minutes is a bit long for a tune on this record. So, you know, put in the computer, got the best parts that we thought were fine. And, 
and went. So it allows me a lot more creative freedom than just you know recording it and there it is. So is this a hard disk recorder? Um, sort of a is it a standalone kind of unit? Well, the D80 is a is a standalone unit. So um, you know you put it. It has a 850 meg drive or a 1.7 gig drive, and uh, that's a standalone unit. I also uh, did a lot of the records uh, on ADAT, and uh, I also have a Mac with uh, Pro Tools on it, uh, Pro Tools Project, and I uh, did a lot of editing on that. So um, a lot of the digital stuff is uh, I'm really into, but uh, a lot of stuff we recorded on the D80 and, and just bounced it around to different digital mediums and did what we had to do and, and you know mixed it in. So. So are, are you going to be able to take your band out, hopefully do some gigs other than at clinics? Or, uh, yeah. Um, no, that's hard to do sometimes. It, it's very tough doing instrumental stuff. A lot of times the market, you know, they don't, they don't know what to do. I mean, what do you mean there's no singing? Who's going to come see this, you know? But we, we have some good footholds in Colorado and Nebraska and different pockets of the country. So it's been going great there. We, we did a few weeks out, and then I came home, and we'll do this six-week tour. Uh, come home and we'll go out again and try to break into some new markets. We're trying to hook up with uh, uh, some different booking agents and stuff like that. So um, I'm ready to play live. I, 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 it, between doing a clinic and live, I'll do it live because you get to really crank up the bands behind you. It's pumping. It's energetic and everything. So you know, I just stop the flow with going, and now? And now when I'm doing any questions, you know, <laughs> live, it's just here's what we're doing and take it or leave it. So it's, it's a lot more direct doing a live gig for sure. But it's great how it's really uh, kind of taking you all over the world and, and yeah. offering you a, a, a living as well. It's great because I've went to places. I went to Europe last year, was in 12 countries and played. And that's where some of my earlier records were distributed. So it was neat to play countries where the record was out and there was guys coming up in Norway and they had the record. And it was, it'll be neat now that uh, Sing is out nationally that it, hopefully that'll start happening now. You know, guys will be familiar with the tunes before I play the club or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, that'll be nice for right. sure. Well, I think that'll do it. Are you sure? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Um, if you can do it, Instrumentals of Rock ID. Hey, I'm ready. What do I say? Uh, this is Neil's no, The show is The Instrumentals of Rock. You got already. a little script. Just right on the top. The Instrumentals of Rock where the music okay. speaks for itself. Just, hey, this is Neil Zaza you're listening to. Okay. Hey, this is Neil Zaza. You are listening to the Instrumentals of Rock, where the music speaks for itself. Right on. There you go. Thanks for listening to the Instrumentals of Rock podcast. I hope you enjoyed this throwback episode from the interview I did with Neil Zaza from 1996. Check out the previous episode for my interview with Neil that I did at the end of 2023. Thanks for listening, and subscribe to the show to be notified about upcoming episodes. Cheers! <laughs>